Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, I'm Janet Morena, Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program. Well, you know, very often when a woman <clears throat> hears she goes, to, she's pregnant and she's all excited, going to have this baby. Oh, I'm so excited. And then suddenly she goes for her next doctor appointment and the doctor gets a very serious look on his face and he's listening and going with the ultrasound and checking. And, and suddenly he tells her a very sad thing. He says, we don't hear a heartbeat. And now they do it, you know, they check again and make sure. And they say, no, we're so sorry. We don't hear a heartbeat. And then usually what happens, you know, they schedule her uh, for a procedure to go in. And very often, if it's an early part of her pregnancy, she'll have a DNC or, or she'll have to, if it's a later on pregnancy, uh, in her pregnancy, she'll have to deliver her, her stillborn baby. But then what happens next? So many women are not helped. So many women want to know what happens to my baby. Don't I get to bury my baby? What rights do I have? What I, what can I do? Well, joining me today is a woman who, through her own experience, founded a ministry that I know could help many of you, and you could spread the word to help so many other women. So joining me today is Donna Murphy from Heaven's Gain Ministries. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, like I alluded to, Donna, you yourself uh, had miscarriage uh, experience. Why don't you just give us a snapshot about what that was like? Well, my husband and I, um, we have uh, 10 biological children, seven that live on earth and three that we believe live in heaven and one foster child that we adopted. We lost our fifth pregnancy at 14 weeks, our ninth pregnancy at nine weeks, and our last pregnancy, uh, we were just past the 17th week. Um, and we lost all three babies and never had a proper way of burying those children. The first two were just put into um, jars and we placed them in the ground. And the last one, we went to four funeral homes and two cemeteries and said, uh, we're going to deliver an eight inch long baby tomorrow. Can you tell us order something for us to bury him in. And they said, nothing has ever been made for babies that small. That's it's, it's so sad. And <clears throat> so because of your own experience and, and, you know, uh, Donna, you're not the only person who's gone through this. Uh, at Priest for Life, we have heard over the, over the years, many women writ have written us letters and say, gee, you know, everyone looks at us like, what, what do you mean? What do you want? Like it's something strange that you're, you want to somehow bury your, the remains of your baby. So tell us how you then took your own sadness and your own thing of not having any help to developing a ministry now that, and that helps other women. Well, when we couldn't find a, any type of casket for him, finally one place told us to go to a import store, get a box. That's what we did. And we placed the box, wrapped the box put the baby in the box, wrapped it in press and seal and put it in the ground. And my husband said, that's just not dignified. I, uh, somebody needs to do something about this. And I said, someone else needs to do something about this. 
I'm in no state of mind to even think about helping other people. We've been involved in the pro-life movement for a lot of years, but never thought of helping in this area. And then later on, I felt the Lord call me the following year and say, the only way the post-abortive woman in general is going to be able to mourn and heal is if we recognize um, the loss of miscarried and stillborn babies first. And so I didn't know what he wanted me to do. And I uh, talked to Father Pavone and he said, well, you know, there's a real need to bury these miscarried babies. And I knew that's what he was calling us to. Yeah. Well, it's funny that because in Staten Island, New York, where our priest life headquarters used to be, uh, and Father Pavone was my parish priest, we had a funeral director there. In fact, I had him on my Defending Life program a number of years ago. Uh, His name was John Scalia, Scalia Funeral Homes. And he had an experience, his, uh, a relative in his family, all the way back in the 60s, lost a baby, a stillborn baby. And so he thought to, that he had to request the remains of the child himself as a funeral director, and he arranged for the burial of this baby. And when he saw what his own family member went through, he said, I don't understand why more people aren't stepping up to the plate. So he made a pledge. And it was known all over Staten Island. If anyone had a, a stillborn or a miscarried baby, they had to just contact him in his funeral home. He would request the remains and arrange for a free burial and provide a little caskets and all that. So out of his own experience, um, his funeral parlor to this day is still doing that. Imagine <laughs> on Staten Island, New York. But like in your case and in the Staten Island case, there's just not enough people to know about this all over our country. And, and it's, it's a shame. So you began Heaven's Gain Ministries and, and how did you get started? What did you do then to kind of, you know, get everything in order, like the caskets and everything? Well, we researched for a year and we looked around and, and tried to find if there's anything out there. Um, and we actually were driving down a rural road in Utah, which we're not from that area. And, uh, somebody said, I make custom caskets. And so we stopped by and say, said, can you start making caskets for us for miscarried babies? And she did. And then eventually we started getting them made here in Ohio by the Amish, but we shipped all over the country. We help about 1500 families every year, but that's just a drop in the bucket. Oh, absolutely. Because statistically, I think you're familiar with some statistics, true, about about how many uh, miscarried babies are there in the course of a year. Right. The pro-life movement has done a great job of decreasing the number of abortions to less than a million a year. But there's a million babies who are miscarried every single year. So there's actually more miscarriages than abortions in the United States each year. So we really need to reach out to all these families and to let them know that there are there are burial products for these miscarried babies and there are urns for these babies there's caskets there's urns and there's support services because so many people just go through the miscarriage at home and they see the baby in the toilet they don't know what to do and they flush they need to know that there's resources out there to treat that baby with dignity and respect and that there's resources out there to help them grieve yeah well i think also too we have to educate people about our response. Uh, very often, and I'm sure you would agree, when someone hears that a woman has suffered a miscarriage, 
they have this crazy response of like, oh, well, that's probably for the best. Oh, that's nature taking its course. I mean, that's the last thing a woman who has just lost a baby to miscarriage wants to hear. I mean, I've always told people, you should treat this as if she just lost the baby at three months old or, or six months old or a year old or two years. You wouldn't say, oh, that's for the best. You wouldn't say, oh, nature took its course. You would be saying, I'm so sorry. What can I do? Do you need anything? You want to say what I'm saying. The response should be born or unborn about the baby, the death of the child, the response should be the same, right? Absolutely. You have that exactly right. Yes. Most important thing to say is I'm sorry about the loss of your baby. Don't try and make sense of it. You're not going to make sense of it. Don't give a platitude, but instead truly show that you're sorry about the loss of their baby and see what you can do to help. For instance, don't just say, call me if there's something I can do, but give them specifics like, what day can I bring a meal? Can I make oh. a call for you? Would you like to have some type of service? Do you want me to call the church? What can I do? Can I watch your kids so that you can have some time to grieve and heal with your spouse? Right. These are all yeah. important things to do. Right. <clears throat> and then, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a lot of women will say, you know, because I think part of the problem here is the medical profession too, because the woman finds out she's miscarried and the doctor right away, he's, you know, ordering a D and C if, it, if it's, you know, the first trimester, <coughs> excuse me. And then there's no discussion about the remains of the child, right? So isn't part of the problem in the medical profession too? That is part of the problem, but it's also... I understand why doctors want to do a DNC because that way they can make sure that er the baby, the placenta and everything that was in your uterus is removed to keep you safe. But most of the time that baby is not removed intact and it's not a very healing experience for the parents. And so it may take three or four weeks after that baby has died for that woman to pass that baby at home. But that might be something that she's interested in. And I would like it if doctors would say, hey, you can try and miscarry at home, but if it doesn't, you know, nothing happens, then we, we always have a DNC to back it up. So in other words, women should be better informed than to know that we don't have to rush to the hospital for a DNC. We could see if the baby's going to pass the baby naturally then, right? I mean, that's that would be the better solution, right? Absolutely. Yes. I, you know, I was able to recover all of my children, um, but the first two being miscarried at home and then the last one uh, being delivered at the hospital. You know, a lot of places um, for a baby who's 17, 18 weeks, you know, they're going to want to do like a DNC. And uh, that's not very healing for a mom. It's much more healing for a mom to be able to hold her baby in her arms and, and to say her goodbyes or her hello and then her goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> we have the same experience too with um, when when moms get the uh, fatal diagnosis. You know, maybe the baby is twice in eighteen or other things. And again, the medical community uh, they want to do a termination as opposed to let nature take its course, let that baby be born. And even if the baby only lives a few moments, like you're saying, she still has that opportunity to hold her child and then have a proper burial. So um, we really have to do a lot on the education, but 
you know, we have the medical community, we have the funeral parlor director kind of community, right? And then we have the cemeteries, right? Because in some cases, uh, some cemeteries I know are set up beautifully where they will have a place for uh, miscarried and stillborn babies to be buried if you don't have your own family plot, right? But not every cemetery has that, right, Donna? That's correct. Um, so actually Catholic cemeteries tend to be better set up for babies who are miscarried or stillborn to have places for them to bury. And they're usually financially, it's easier on the families. Um, for instance, here in Cincinnati, you pay anywhere from nothing to $150 to bury a baby in a Catholic cemetery, but the public cemetery in town charges a thousand. So it's a huge difference in cost. And uh, I appreciate the Catholic cemeteries that provide uh, the burial service without a huge cost to the families because that's part of the closure and the healing is to be able to place the baby somewhere safe, you know, to place that baby in the ground and to place that baby in your mind in a safe place like heaven. And then with the, the, the caskets and the little urns you're describing, I mean, someone might be watching and say, well, what if they miscarry the baby and it's only like seven, eight weeks? Like how, how small, like, can they still provide something for that baby to be buried? Yes, we, we provide caskets for first, second, third trimester and early infant loss at Heaven's Gain. Um, and we also have urns. So we, we have something for every size and we have a few selections in each size because when your baby dies, you don't get a whole lot of choices of what's going to happen. So you should have at least a few choices in how you choose the disposition, burial, cremation of yeah. your little baby who's died. And what, what is your website where they can see all these things? Our website is heavensgain.org. Heavens without the apostrophe, gain.org. All right, great. So there they would see all this information. Um, now, I mean, I don't know about you, but my mind is thinking like, well, okay, the woman suffers the miscarriage because sometimes it can happen pretty unexpectedly at home. What should she do? Like what's step one? I mean, she hasn't even gone to your website. She's calling her doctor. I mean, and she's got the remains of her little baby. What's the step one? What, what does she do? Well, hopefully her step one is to call Heaven's Gain to get prepared for that baby. If she, so say she knows that there's no heartbeat, she can come into us and we can talk to her about, you know, yes, your doctor did say there's bleeding and cramping, but that that does happen. But what happens is your, your baby's inside of you still because your placenta has not realized that your baby has died. And so it will take till your placenta kind of realizes that that baby has died for it to start letting go of the uterine wall. When it starts letting go of the uterine wall, you'll start to spot. After you start spotting, your cramping will start and the cramping will come and go and come and go because you're actually in labor because you're delivering a baby. And so as this cramping continues, the bleeding will also increase and you should be measuring your blood loss because you don't want anything to happen to you. And when you go to deliver this baby, it's important to put some type of colander or strainer underneath you so that you can catch the baby and any other clots and go through that and find your baby so you can be able to bury that baby. That's very important in the first trimester losses at home. All right. 
Oh boy. I, I mean, I just can't imagine what this must be like. And for some women, they're all by themselves when this happens. You know, it's just heart wrenching to think that you have to go through this all by yourself, you know? And then talk to about the, the laws in different states. Because from what I understand, some states, I would call them very pro-life, very proactive, where there's laws in the books already saying you have the rights to bury your stillborn or miscarried babies. But in other states, there's not much going on. So tell us about the whole legal end of it all. Yes, legally, it's extremely confusing because every state makes their own laws. So um, if you your baby is stillborn, in almost all states, you have the right to choose disposition, that means cremation or burial, of your baby's remains. But if your baby is miscarried, you may or may not have any rights. In less than 20 states, do parents have the right to claim their baby's remains who has been miscarried? And miscarriage is defined by state law. So in Ohio here, if you are 19 weeks or less, it's a miscarriage. So my son, who was eight inches long, was miscarried. Where babies that are 20 weeks or further along are stillborn. If you're in some states, it's 15 weeks or less are miscarried and 16 weeks or more is stillborn. Other states, 23 weeks or less are miscarried and 24 weeks and forward are stillborn. So the laws vary by state and they also vary by if it's a miscarriage or stillbirth, which also varies by state. So it can be very confusing. But on our website, we have uh, state laws for many of the states on miscarriage and stillbirth that help people in this situation. So give us an example like where you're from in Ohio. What does the laws on the books in Ohio state so that people can get an idea what do these laws say? So when we lost our son, Gabriel, in June of 06, there were no laws giving us the right to bury him. And we were just lucky that the hospital allowed us to take him to bury him. But in 2007, we helped write to the state along with a lot of other parents. And in 2008, the Parents Grieving Act was passed that allows parents at any gestational age in the state of Ohio, you can request your baby's remains and bury that baby or cremate that baby according to what, what you would like to do. Funeral home does have to get involved because there does need to be a fetal death certificate and you can request that certificate, which a lot of people find important that acknowledges that that baby really did die, that baby was human, that baby's life should be acknowledged. Wow. I mean, <clears throat> that that's important for people to realize that, that, you know, and I like the the name of the bill, the Grieving Parents Act. I mean, that says it so much because that's what this is. They're grieving. And I think the problem is society doesn't grieve for them. Like they, they don't acknowledge the need to grieve, you know. Still, even I think in churches, it's still this, oh, you'll get over it, move on mentality that I think we have to, even in the pro-life movement, <laughs> I think we have to do a better job of educating, you know, Everyone's worried about educating the humanity of the unborn child so that women won't have an abortion. But the same education of the humanity, the humanity of that unborn child has to also be understand that, yeah, it, it's a baby and they have to grieve the loss of that child. So what are some of the other laws are you familiar with in, in some of the other states? <clears throat> I, I don't have them all in my mind, but they are all written down on our website. Um, uh -huh. But you really have to, like you were saying, the pro-life movement even, like you have to jump through mental hoops, right? To say, 
oh, we're all upset about this baby dying. You know, this baby could have been the next Bach or Einstein, but we're not upset about this baby dying who might have had a the stillborn baby or the miscarried baby who might have found a cure for cancer. Their their loss of that baby is just as much as the loss of, of you know, the aborted baby where the pro-life movement needs to stay consistent in this issue. They need to consistently say, yes, this is truly a life. And yes, this is truly a loss for parents. Even at pregnancy centers, you know, they're like, they do ultrasounds and they say, well, I don't understand this. This person was abortion minded. Why did they cry when we told them there was no heartbeat? Because that's their child. Because, because they didn't want their child, you know, to die. They didn't want their child to die, even though they were abortion minded. They didn't, you know, if they could have had them at a different time in their mind, that they they would have liked that. They didn't want their child to die. And so they're sad. And so pregnancy centers are are now coming to us and being trained on on how to serve these families, to how to help them. So when they find out they come in, even if they're abortion minded and they find out there's no heartbeat, how can we prepare those families for that birth of that child? How can we prepare them for the the grief they're going to have afterwards and so for the well-meaning platitudes that people say that are wrong? And how do we grieve and heal afterwards? And if we do this, I think so many more people will join the pro-life movement. With a million moms miscarrying every single year, if they realize that we are the beacon of hope for those women who have lost babies due to miscarriage and stillbirth, they'll want to join our movement. It's very important that we acknowledge these babies and um provide um, dignified uh, uh, burial or cremation for these babies and that we provide support services for these families. Right. <clears throat> well, you know, I've been very fortunate um, through Father Pavone <clears throat> because we have been so aware of this um, for so many years, starting from that Staten Island funeral director um, <clears throat> to really spread the word. And in fact, in our travels over the years, we have been invited uh, to come uh, one family I remember in North Carolina, uh, the baby's name was Felicity, and they were so excited that Father Pavone was preaching that weekend at a parish near them. They invited us to come to their cemetery because the, the headstone for their miscarried baby, Felicity, had just arrived, and they wanted us to come out and, and, and bless uh, the headstone. It was a cute little headstone. They had a marker, a grave marker. And so we've had personal experience and they had the whole family there, all the children, everyone was very aware. <clears throat> they lost their little sister. You know, she was, she was, you know, X amount of weeks in gestation and they prayed to their little angel Felicity in heaven. And I saw how beautifully the other children were acknowledging the loss of their little baby sister, you know, and I can remember in the past, I mean, even in my own case, my mom had two miscarriages. Um, one, I probably must have been about, I don't know, 10 years old. So it was mysterious. But this, this other miscarriage, she lost a baby at six months. But suddenly nothing was said to us. You know, it was, back then it was hush, hush, you know, if someone miscarried. Um, and in fact, I know the baby was buried because years later, my mother told me that, oh, yes, um, the baby was buried at uh, the Catholic cemetery. So it's like you're saying the Catholic Church has always had for decades, many, many decades, uh, many of the uh, the cemeteries have a, a section for stillborn and miscarried babies. The problem is the education at the parish level, I find, um, is not good. How are you finding 
um, getting the word out among the churches, even in your area? Are they now becoming more receptive to the need and the need to have a funeral mass? So how, how is it going with that? Well, we're very blessed here in Cincinnati with Archbishop Schnur. He actually has asked me to teach the priest of the archdiocese um, what is the best way to serve these families because it's it's really hard on them. And I know they're very rushed and stuff, but then they can find out about us and refer to us. But some families, you know, they get mad at God and they leave the church. And and it's it's a real shame. These These priests, you know, if they could just say a few words to this family, acknowledge the loss, offer a funeral. That's what Archbishop Schnur has asked us to do, asked the priest to do in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, is, is to have a funeral for the babies who are lost due to miscarriage and stillbirth. And um, I also teach in the seminary, and it's very well taken in the seminary. They're very appreciative to be taught what to do when a family comes to them. Because when one in four babies are lost due to miscarriage, that's a lot of babies. And we don't want to silence them. We want them to be able to come to their priest and to talk to them and to find out, you know, what is it that they can do? You know, can they can they have, you know, um, there are specific masses for babies who die without baptism. Right. Yeah, I, I'm aware of that. And <clears throat> that's a very good point because it's almost like they should be putting something in the church bulletin periodically, you know. Um, if you've lost a baby to miscarriage or, or stillbirth, uh, please know we want to help you make funeral arrangements. Imagine if that was in the bulletin, people go, oh, wow, I didn't know I could do that. You know, we really have to amp up the, the education. There's one final point I want to make because, you know, Mother's Day is approaching and maybe some priests and deacons might be listening. Uh, a degree of sensitivity. They always ask all the mothers and grandmothers to stand, right, on Mother's Day for a special blessing, which is beautiful. That's wonderful. We all stand. But why don't you also say, and any mother who suffered a pregnancy loss? Because if you say any mother who's suffered a pregnancy loss, now you're also going to include miscarried and stillborn and even aborted babies so that nobody feels uh, excluded and the other point that you're making here is if we truly are believing every life is sacred from conception to natural death, well, then why? And that's when you become a mother. You become a mommy at the moment of conception, just like he becomes a daddy. And so, therefore, you need to invite them all to stand, not just those who have living children, but the moms, the grandmothers, whether your children are living or deceased, anyone who suffered a pregnancy loss, you're still a mom. You were a mom to that baby. Please stand now for a special blessing. So I think, you know, Donna, we, we got to amp up the education, don't we? <laughs> Absolutely. What you're saying is wonderful. I would love that if priests would do that in every parish. Another thing I think is really great is um, I think every year, if the pro-life group or the bereavement group could offer the mass of the holy innocence for right. those babies who have died mm -hmm. without baptism, like the babies who died in Bethlehem without baptism, I think that would just be a beautiful thing for every parish to do. But putting that in the bulletin is key. What you're saying is so very important. Right. Well, Donna, thank you for joining me. This is a wonderful ministry. May God truly bless you for all this wonderful work you're doing. And brothers and sisters, I hope you go to this website and spread the word. Heavensgain.org. Go there today. Talk to your parish priest and let's spread this word. We know there's hurting moms out there. 
and we have to spread the word to them. So thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. God bless. Well, brothers and sisters, thank you for joining me too on another program. And until next time, just remember there are some abortions only you can stop, some lives only you can save, and so moms only you can bring to healing. Join us again next time. Thank you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.